Welcome, you're listening to Into the Trenches. Take the low place. Hello, hello, this is your host, John Hebner. It feels great to be back behind the mic. Maybe a little bit rusty with me. I have my co-host, Sarah Hebner. Welcome. Hello. It's been a while. I know most of you probably thought like, hey, they're just not doing a podcast anymore. Just dropped off. See you later. So we've been stumbling through new environments in this organic dynamic thing that we call life. It's been a real bit of a roller coaster since the last time we've done a podcast with highs and lows. what? I don't even know. (laughs) Me me neither. Sarah, so what what do we have on the agenda for today? Depends on how much time people have. (laughs) How long do you want to listen to us talk for? Here's what you've missed um, since the last time we did a podcast, like 8,500 conversations about COVID. Oh my gosh, this or that, all the time. Pretty much every conversation I've had with anybody since the last time I've done a podcast has probably been around that that topic. But we're, we're still here. Um, we're excited. There's there's kind of some new things and some great conversations that we want to continue to share and to have about our lives and the things that God's doing in our life and the crazy thing we call life and how we're continuing to push ourselves to uh, be in the trenches and a call to be in the trenches and what that looks like for us and our family and as a community, as a husband and wife, as parents, it comes in many shapes and sizes and colors. Yep. So... Like always, um, before we get rocking and rolling, what we want to do is kind of kick it off with what's new and what's hot uh, in our life as we can. <laughs> Since we know, really, we have the pulse on what's hot in the culture. Like, Man, John and Sarah are into the weirdest stuff. Yeah, not really what's <laughs> Then maybe new. you could title this something differently. <laughs> Um, but since the last time we did a podcast, we, we've had some new adventures over the summer and even as uh, a family, um, but even me and Sarah alone without our kids, we got to go on some adventures this summer, which were a lot of fun. Yep. Um, we got an, an exciting trip that we took for our 15 year anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary, um, uh, to the North shore of Lake Superior, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, such a, such a beautiful place, incredible creation, we did a lot of fun stuff. We were kind of in Minneapolis, Duluth, and then Grand Marais, which is where we st- stayed and spent most of our time in a in just a beautiful area that we would go back to in a second. In a second, yeah. But maybe not in the winter, but finding the rental property. Yeah. We, <laughs> Anyone? We we'd have to get into cross country skiing if. We hey, went I'm back. down for that. Yeah. We did get a chance to go kayaking on Lake Superior, which was a lot of fun until fun. we found out that we had to wear a wetsuit. And (laughs) our kayaking trip was like an hour out and then an hour back. And in a wetsuit, I guess I didn't realize that once you get out an hour and you find out that you have to go to the bathroom super bad, (laughs) there's there's no way to... Nothing you can do about that bad boy. Well, you just got to hold it until you get back. And that was the longest kayaking trip back in in my life. Um, But we we made it and we paddled fast. That's our first time kayaking since we've been here in Kansas. So Yeah, we were were sore. Uh, and then, of course, we you know we went to Arkansas in the fall, which is the first time we've been there in the fall, which was a lot of fun. Just a, a, a wonderful place. We were in kind of Bentonville, Rogers area, and yep. just a really cool place. And we kind of did some some areas which were more like Hallmarkish, where like we, uh, we went to a tree farm. And yeah, it was really cool. We continue to find new stuff to do there every time we go. Yeah, the the museum that's there, it's Crystal Bridges, has a really cool light show, mm-hmm. an illumination, if you will, and it was very impressive. Yeah, I, I, I might have teared it. up a couple times. Yeah. It was it was really neat. John's not careful. I'm gonna 
buy a house there <laughs> okay. and just slowly start moving some stuff there. We got lots of places. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to get a vacation house there. <laughs> Next, we want to talk about some of the things that we're reading. I'd, I'd like to say that since the last time we did a podcast, there was like a plethora of books that I've read through, but there's probably only a couple, <laughs> but they've been really good. Yeah. And the first one I'd like to highlight is one of the books that I just loved that I've read last year is a book by Cal Newport. Um, his new book called A World Without Email uh, is a super good book, especially if you're in the workplace and you, you do have a lot of email. Uh, it's a fantastic read and I would highly recommend it. But you guys will hear more about this book in my lead portion of the podcast that I typically do where I kind of go through a quote and then talk about the book. But there are some really good quotes in this book that I would I would love to showcase and share like how it's really helped me in the workplace and kind of mitigate some of the turmoil like email just makes us miserable <laughs> and mm-hmm. this book has been excellent in me figuring out different systems or processes to help me kind of navigate the hundreds and hundreds of emails I get every day and just have better systems to work through that and not play this massive game of obligation hot potato where we're just passing emails back and forth and it's like you're running 100 miles an hour but not actually going anywhere mm-hmm. so it was a really good read if you work and you work in a lot of emails I highly recommend it by Cal Newport and then Sarah anything that you've you've read uh I am currently reading a book called Wintering. Um, I've seen it a couple times, and so I finally picked it up this uh, past fall to get me through the winter. Really interesting book about giving in to the change of seasons and how we typically as humans fight against the uh, winter coming, right? We uh, vacation places, go places that are warmer. We, um, you know, people, you see funny people wearing shorts when it's like 32 degrees like people just cannot let like warm weather go but it's really cool how she is walking through a season of like a darker time in her life and how she actually is journeying through the changing of the season and what it means and to actually embrace what what changes happen during winter and you know lean into that so it's really good for me because I don't tend to lean into winter. I tend to want to run away and there's not really anything I can do about that. I'm in a place that winters, right? And I got to lean into it. Yeah. We have a hard time with winter in our house. Yeah. (laughs) Super hard time. I just want a moment with the sun. Yeah. And just because we're we're always outside and we're we're really active and we have been getting better and better at Mm -hmm. just enjoying like, hey, just get outside and find something fun to do, even if it's freezing cold and and try to enjoy it. And part of that comes with learning, right? Like we bought better shoes for our kids. We bought layers for our kids and ourselves, you know, so. Yes. Having the right clothes really helps. Like our our Florida long sleeve t-shirt. There's no frugal wintering (laughs) clothes here anymore. Didn't help at all. Yeah. Another cool thing, over the summer, we finally got back into going to concerts, and mm-hmm. so we got to go to a couple really cool concerts. So fun while it lasted. Yeah, super good. But uh, like always, what me and Sarah always enjoy, those that open for those concerts, because the people we typically see are just people we're just huge fans of yeah. all the time. And so we, we got to see Trust Need to Breathe and in, yeah. Switchfoot, which we love. But um, opening for them was The New Respect. And they were just super cool, super cool. Just a fun group. And so we loved yeah. getting getting to hear them and, and hear about their story. And then, of course, we took our girls to see Lauren Daigle. And opening for her was Ellie Holcomb, mm-hmm. um, who our girls love too. Yeah. And so it was a lot of fun to see um, Ellie. And she, she's just really good, fun music and yeah. 
just a lot of fun. So it was fun being able to get back and go to some concerts and jam out for a little bit and get our boogie on. Some other stuff that's new always is just always checking out new podcasts and a couple of new podcasts that I've been listening to uh, when I have a chance on my runs and I'm not actually listening to a book that I'm like trying to get through. Because typically, most of the time, I'll try listening to a book when I'm going on runs. Uh, But lately, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts. One is uh, Dad Tired. Um, which is really good <laughs> that I can relate to just having three kiddos and just life today is just challenging. And he does a really good job of just kind of getting real with, Hey, life is hard. Mm-hmm. And here are the things that just make me exhausted as a dad. And here are the things that I try to do to help um, gain energy and be excited and, and be full of energy and life and be creative and continue to create and not live in the stress and the anxieties that I could um, so I, I really appreciate that podcast. It's fun to listen to. And then another one that I've been listening to is Patrick Lynchoni. Uh, he has a new podcast out um, that is kind of a system that he's created called The Working Genius, which I really enjoyed because it talks about the areas of work that are your geniuses, which are what you do that actually fills you up and brings you joy and gives you life and energy when you do work. Um, then also hits home on the things that just frustrate you, mm-hmm. um, that cause you burnout and that, you know, you're like, I'm done with this. And so his podcast has been really good leaning into those working geniuses. And for me, uh, like my, my working geniuses are in, our invention and galvanization. Um, those are the things that I kind of thrive on that, that fuel me. And so, um, it's been kind of fun listening to his, what his group, which is called the table group and their podcast and kind of talk through those things. And a lot of stuff I can relate to like, yes, that's me. That's who I am at at work. And those are the things I love to do. Or yes, I hate doing that at work, Mm -hmm. like discernment. Anytime there's like big decisions I need to make, I'm like, yeah, that drives me bananas, even though I know I have to do it sometimes. But it just helps me learn to know, like, I need to surround myself with people that are really good at that. And that's their genius. And they love doing that. And who is that and how can I put them around me? Mm-hmm. And then people that struggle with galvanization or in- invention, how can I put myself around them? And so it's just this really creative system that he's kind of um, put together with this table group that I've just really enjoyed. Um, and, then if, and then, of course, I made Sarah take the test, too, so I'd know like what her working <laughs> geniuses are <laughs> and kind of help us. Like, you know, I think it is relatable to marriage, too. Like, hey, these, these are things that are frustrating to Sarah. So if she's living in these things and, you know, we're making her do that, whether that's like the budget or something like that. Like, yeah. OK, if, if it's a frustration for both of us doing the budget, somebody's got to do it. But if there's somebody that's like, hey, I thrive off that. I enjoy doing that. Well, yeah, OK, you you be the one that does that. And it just kind of knows like, hey, what what fuels each other up and how can we put each other in those environments? When who gets to do the laundry then? <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> I haven't quite worked that one out. Somehow that doesn't fuel me. But... <laughs> no, that is a maybe. A, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that yeah. one. <laughs> There are things that will have to get done. Well, since invention's my genius, maybe I need to invent something so we don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, another thing, like always, that we like talking about is just the stuff that we watch, which is probably way too much. <laughs> hey, it's winter, okay? Uh, that's true. So we just we kind of ended a whole season that was heavily on Hallmark. <laughs> I think we, we cut we, off Hallmark by what mid December. I think we were done with. Yeah, it. we should have done as tallied like how many Christmas movies we had watched on Hallmark oh, gosh, since, it was since too many. the start. It was, so. Like overwhelming. <laughs> and then it got to the point where like we may have watched one that we hadn't seen, we but we thought it again. we thought we saw it because it's the same storyline. 
We were just too tired to turn it off. <laughs> we had no idea, but we were kind of all over the place. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there from, you know, funny stuff. You know, we, we always enjoy silly stuff. Like, we liked the Red Notice, which is Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. and The Rock. Like, that how can funny. those two can't skip a beat, man? They're, they're hysterical. And then there's a lot of different... And then now we're kind of getting into the, the Chosen, which we're watching which has been kind of fun and it just mm-hmm. kind of brings scripture to life a little bit and mm-hmm. more in a more tangible way and, and like helps you understand that the people you read about in the Bible had personalities. Like yeah. there were moments that they laughed, there were moments that they cried, they were emotional, they were yeah. they were fun, they had fun together, they played together. And so it, it kinda of adds this whole new, you know, dimension to what you typically read in the Bible, which has been kind of fun to watch. And yeah. then as you as you watch it, you know, there's definitely this sense of of joy and it's like man look how they came around in a communal way and studied stories and told stories and taught their children it was like man we should do that with our kids (laughs) but we just shove them to bed yeah the scriptures their kids memorize and Mm -hmm. yeah just a lot of the things that were relevant to their times that are still relevant today traditionally right like hey here are are good practices that and we're like man we should get better at implementing these habits into our lives yeah so all right when we come back we're gonna have a quick segment on um, something new that we haven't done before and it's kind of just tackling uh a a few words for me and sarah about a hot topic that's kind of going on right now that exists in our culture and our community and things that we've been talking about amongst our friends and families and so we'll just share a few words on that uh, before we dig into our main section of the podcast All right, so welcome back. We're going to dig into a quick hot topic um, that you've probably heard about or have uh, read about um, that is prevalent within our culture today. And the hot topic is the great resignation. And so at the center of COVID, we've we've kind of had this uh, environment where it almost seems like you have a massive amount of people that were kind of doing their job or doing their work, um, building their sandcastle, if you will. And this big wave kind of came in and crashed that sandcastle and then, you know, kind of wrecked the thing you were building. And it's like, oh. And then when the wave kind of went back away, you kind of looked at where you're building that sandcastle and you're like, you know what? I don't even want to be building a sandcastle. Um, I want to be doing something else. And so I think we have this. And you know, obviously, there's a lot of other reasons for that too. When we when we talk about the Great Resignation, um, and what it means that there's just a massive group of people quitting their jobs mm-hmm. or leaving their jobs and going and doing something else or just not doing anything at all. Um, I think we've had some of the the highest numbers. You know, where it's been about three percent of the workforce every month. You know, I think approximately four million people quitting. Yeah, every month or something crazy like that where there's just this massive population that's maybe switching or changing what they're doing and, and, and going to something else. I actually yeah. did the opposite. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to be quitting and then... Hey, that works for me. <laughs> yeah. Although my previous uh, employees were, they're not letting up any anytime no. soon. No, I think I think Sarah 
even though there are definitely frustrations at, no matter where you work, but with the three kiddos at home, it might be a bigger frustration. <laughs> That's why I went to work, maybe. <laughs> Although they never go to school, so. Peace out, kids. I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, we, we, I talked about a little bit earlier, but I think one of the big things is just burnout. I think people are, like I mentioned about the Working Genius podcast, a lot of people are just recognizing that they're doing something that's not actually filling them up and they're becoming burnout. They're, they're working or, or in and doing something that's frustrating them and you know, not really understanding who they are and the things that actually fill them up and give them joy. And so a lot of times, even when you, when you stop doing that, uh, a good illustration is like a car, right? You don't, you don't want to just park the car and say, Hey, I'm going to just stop doing this for a while. And then I'm going to get the energy that I need to go back and do, do it again or do something. That's not how you get a car going. Again, you don't just park it. You actually have to take the car to a gas station and fill it up, right? Give it some gas and give it energy and give it joy. And so a lot of people I think are, are seeking or searching for that thing that actually gives them joy and fills them up even in the midst of the chaos. So you can, you can work six in the morning till nine at night till you're 65 and just keep loving it because you're doing what you love mm-hmm. or you could be working eight to five and hating every minute of it and like i need to quit this as quick as possible yeah i think too right like when life is quote normal so we could say pre-2020 right even if it was not a great spot or a great place or a great position in your job you did it right because you're making money schedule fit, whatever it was, right? And as soon as external pressure came and that was disrupted, it was like blinding of any little thing about that job. It's like, I don't want to be in, I don't want to be there. You know, and maybe made it that much easier to walk away from. Whereas pre-2020, it would have been really hard to walk away from. Like, why would I leave this job? It pays good. It's X, Y, or Z, right? But as soon as you are stuck at home working or whatever something about it changes because of how our circumstances have changed it makes it that much easier to walk away yeah now you have like a plethora of industries and companies that are looking for people so it's almost like man i could i could step away from this and because there's so many people looking i can go find the thing that i love and enjoy that and i guess for me and sarah it's kind of nice to know that we not to put words in sarah's mouth but I, i do feel like we consistently feel like God has us where he's called us and we, we don't feel this sense of like any, any desire to pull us away. And we feel very blessed with the environment and the communities and the people that we are around here in Olathe, Kansas, and just really blessed with the many and multitude of things that God has given us and how we can utilize those to help and be for others. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody gives us a house in Bentonville <laughs> <laughs> or the beach, whatever, <laughs> but besides that, yeah. Um, when we come back, we'll kind of dig into the core of this podcast, which we're calling Lived Out, and how God is continuing to call us. All right, welcome back. Here we are to our, our core of our podcast called Lived Out. So what this kind of is, is just formed on the inside for life on the outside. So this is really talking about, hey, how how is God forming us on the inside, whether that's at church or within our home, and how are we trying to live that on the outside? You know, so kind of formed on the inside so that we can live it on the outside and, and continue to live it out uh, and, and idle the way and be who God has called us to be. 
Um, so think back to when you were in elementary school, Sarah, and do you remember a time when you first saw or heard about the food pyramid? I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I remember specifically like where I was. I just feel like it always came up in science class or what then turned into what, like health class, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Where they talked about it. One of the things, you know, that I guess today we kind of comically laugh about, but you know, when the food pyramid was first presented, like I thought, it, you know, I was a kid, you're like, okay, this is what the body needs, right? Like they're laying out this pyramid and here's, you got this big section and that's, that's your most servings. And then, you know, it kind of goes up and then the food's at the top, like you only need a little bit of that. And then whatever's down here is like the biggest portion of what you should have within your, your meal. And then I just remember that, that bottom section just being filled with like breads and <laughs> wheat and just like this big section of carbs and you move up and it was kind of like, your meat and dairy sections and then you had like your fruit and vegetable sections and then you had like your sugars sections or whatever like that and then at some point time goes on and then this thing just kind of starts changing Mm -hmm. and year after year they they start adjusting it like oh well actually here's what the pyramid should look like and then you 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 go a couple more grades along and then you get this like hey here's your new updated pyramid and then you start recognizing or when you become intelligent enough you start reading enough and learning that that food pyramid is actually created by whoever has the highest bid, right? Mm-hmm. Like the people within the food industry and whoever's paying the highest bid is basically putting the food from whoever is the highest bidder on the biggest portion of that food pyramid to say like, hey, here is here is your healthy food pyramid. And even today, if you like go Google search, you know, food pyramid, you'll see a food pyramid that's created for whatever diet that exists out there like mm-hmm. there's probably 15 16 20 50 uh, there, there's all kinds of food pyramids out there and it's like okay what what should my body be eating or, or taking in right you just you no longer trust the food pyramid mm-hmm. and you know that like actually what this triangle means is that there's somebody out there that's trying to get my money yeah. right it's not about the health or well-being of me I'll start out there, we'll go back to it, but as a church community, there's a, there's a couple of things that we've been kind of talking through that's been a little bit fascinating for me, especially as a community, as we've been going through a, a few different stages within Scripture. One is Exodus, where we have this culture where there is a Pharaoh who's just kind of oppressed this massive number of people. You have the Pharaoh who's kind of at the the apex of that pyramid and then it's kind of just pushing down the masses to the bottom of that pyramid and oppressing them, convincing everybody that this is the way the world should be, right? Like you're living in a world the way it should be. There's, you know, somebody, there's a a few at the top of the apex and everybody else is down at the bottom. If you're lucky enough or you're able to, you should try as hard as you can to come up to the top of this food, this pyramid. If you're not, you're just going to be down lowly at the bottom of this, this pyramid. What that kind of created is these crazy systems that, I, I, of course, are are terrible. You know, we think about okay, what are the what are the actual things that we actually need? And you know, as communities, as people, your your food, water, maybe clarity and direction. All those are very important things. Just like right now, anybody that's listening to the a podcast or you, the podcast that you listen to, or books that you read, or things that you're studying, a lot of that is just for clarity, right? For you to know what you should be doing next. Like, mm-hmm. hey, what. What should my next month look like? What does God want me to do? I, I want clarity. I would love to have clarity mm-hmm. or, or my food, my water. And a lot of that, our American society has created what they kind of call is um, totalism, right? So 
Totalism is this complex web of systems that provide everything we need, food, water, sewage, everything we need, we have within this totalism here in America. You need it, we have it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so comprehensive that anything outside of that is uncomprehensible. Like we can't comprehend anything outside of this system that is just a system that exists and it is the way it should be. But these systems are starting to tear down, right? And it makes sense. We here in America are 5% of the world's population, yet we consume 25% of the world's resources. That doesn't add up, Mm -hmm. right? So at some point, this totalism or the system that we have and the system that we live within is going to tear down. it's It's not right. It's not great. And we continue to strive towards a system that oppresses a massive amount of people so that those that live within that fully capsulated system try to rise to the apex of that system. And so one of the things I, I've, I've been kind of laughing at, you know, as we kind of ended out the Christmas season and, and leaving the Christmas season is just thinking about, you know, what that means for us when we look at what's going on around us and, and this consistent pressure to go up that pyramid, right? And everything around us is driving us to think that we need to climb up that pyramid, whether it's creating a materialistic narrative about a bigger home or, you know, whatever that may be that is around us, a a bigger pink job, you know, where we live, everything around us is just trying to drive us up uh, the top of that apex. What what I was thinking about is the three wise men, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So they, they find out or they, through their studies or however it happens that they need to go and see the birth of Jesus and take this massive journey from where they are to go, to go see Jesus. And as I'm thinking about it, it's, it's kind of comical in the sense where you recognize that these three wise men who are probably somewhat wealthy living in you know, really nice circumstances are now going to take this really long journey and give up and basically go from the top of that pyramid and start making a journey down to the bottom of the pyramid where it's like, okay, you had your comfy bed, you had your comfy latrine, right? Your comfy foods that you typically get to eat. And now you're going to go on this journey and you're giving all, like, there's probably a moment where one of all three of them probably had some very entertaining conversations about, yeah, when they were eating a meal, like, oh, this meal sucks, man. Can we just go back and, like, mm-hmm. remember when we had hamburgers and we had pizza and we had, like, this is terrible. Or, man, this bed is awful. Like, the sleeping conditions, my feet stink. You know, mm-hmm. this is, let's just go back to, you know, the home we were at. Or, like, I can't I can't go to the bathroom out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I can't, we, we, this isn't sanitary. Mm-hmm. And just continue to journey to a place where it was like, hey, you're now in a place, like a, a manger, right? where it's like they have journeyed from the top to the bottom, which is kind of fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that they willingly gave up that mm-hmm. to go to this place. So a story I, I, I found really fascinating. So me, me and Sarah have, <clears throat> and this was something our pastor had talked about in, in one of our services on Sunday, but something that me and Sarah have done uh, or, or heard a little bit about, which are the, are the blue zones where people live a very, very long lives, have a longevity of life, either based on their health and well-being and the things that they're eating or Mm -hmm. the environment which they're in. There's a lot of studies that go and show like, hey, why are these people living so long? Mm -hmm. 
I was really fascinated by this. I had never heard this before, but uh, Rosetto, late 1800s, they just had a hard life, and a group of 11 set sail for New York City. They left with, and, and brought basically everything they had and you know established Rosetto, Pennsylvania, which is kind of renamed from where they had come from overseas. And the, a doctor was blown away because they just never saw anybody under the age of 65 for anything. And so it was just kind of a fascinating community once they, those 11 came and you know, they, they moved into that. And you, you can go online and, and look it up f- for that particular community that was established and started. And he investigated the town and, and got in and had them like donate blood and tried to understand like, hey, what, what, is, what is this town doing that's allowing them to be so healthy and live so long and have such an extended period of life? Like, what are they doing? And as he, as he continued to study, you know, the, the people were only dying of old age. Like, that was it. Like, that's why people were, were, were dying. And so, the, of course, they did all of the, the typical things, which was like, was it nutrition? It was like, no, they kept eating like lard and meat and like they were just not eating healthy things. And then... Um, it was like, okay, well, was it exercise? And it's like, no, they're not really that fit, and they're smoking, and you know, they're they're not really doing anything like that. But what they ended up discovering was it was the town, it was the community, and that was the aspect of it for why they were living so long. Is it was basically how they ate together, how they stopped and chatted with one another within the a community con- um, context, how they had a, a massive deal of reverence for one another like this true reverence for how they treated one another. It was a well-distributed economy status. You know, people were out on their porches talking. I mean, it was just this like magical community where people were just outside and engaged. And and you can almost just sense the amount of joy it would be to live in that environment and the positivity and, and the reverence that, that came with it. And what, what's kind of neat is, you know, we, we with, with that amount of reverence is we can, we can strongly disagree with one another, but live within a strong community if we have reverence for one another. Like mm-hmm. you, can, you can live in disagreement with somebody if you have reverence for them. I think the opposite of that, which what we see probably more commonly, unfortunately, is... If anyone has potential to expose my brokenness, then I, I try to treat them as a thing. You know, I, I dehumanize them or, or what some people call like thingification. And I, I dehumanize them in a way where the opposite is like, well, if I, if I have reverence for them, then we can work through that brokenness and work through it together. And we have this, this community that just lives extended life, healthy life because of the environment that they've created and the reverence they have for one another. Kind of tying it back into that that pyramid, which is like, hey, what what are we what are we moving towards as a family or as a community? And are are we moving up that pyramid towards the apex or are we actually at the apex and are we moving down um, towards the trenches where you have those in the margins and showcasing this massive amount of reverence for all of those people around us. And does that actually create life and longevity and happiness um, where you just uh, just love being where you are and enjoy being where you are? And again, I think we, we felt a call to that, but just in the midst of the community, in the, in the, in the midst of where we are as a culture, it's been really, really hard to do that, whether it's been dealing with COVID or just other things going on within our culture, moving down in reverence for one another and in proximity with one another and with those in the margins 
um, and bringing people that have value or people that are are wealthy and rich with you into that environment has just been really challenging. So you were almost stuck in this like dead zone. I, I think the most like blatant thing for me personally that I have to fight against is is making myself uh, how would I say this making making it so that I am seeing or maybe looking and seeing and actively seeking out places and communities and groups of people that our society tends to push to the edge, right? So like I, for, for me to come and move down the pyramid is that I, you know, I have to, sur- I have to surround myself and our family with the input and the theology and the, you know, words of Christ that continually push me towards the opposite of where our culture is going. And that's hard for me. I want to be in the direction that our culture goes and I want to move in that direction and I want to be surrounded by that. And so that's a fight for me, you know, and, uh, and as a result, that's a fight for my family, right? So that I don't take my kids with me and I'm not saying I'm not saying that going in the direction of culture is ultimately bad or wrong, right? But if it's not lining up with what Christ is calling of us, you know, then it's not the correct path for me or my family, right? And so I think it as we have spent time isolated or less around people I think it's become easier to like stay where we're at in the pyramid or want to work our way up the pyramid you know and I think that go that is a fight that we have to fight right is to fight the aloneness fight the bubble making around ourselves right we're creating bubbles around people social distancing, we don't want to get, you know, I mean, we're, 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 we're creating boundaries to help, quote, protect us when it pulls us away, right, from maybe where Christ is calling us. And I'm not saying be irresponsible, be unsafe, all those things, like, don't, don't take that from it. But I think we, I think we have to battle against, you know, I mean, the direction down the pyramid is obviously countercultural, right? Yeah, one of the things that I think we, me and Sarah, have been wanting to work on is, you know, I think we get frustrated where, with our kids, we live in the, I don't know, frustrating anxiety realm of life where we create silos for ourselves and we just want to not deal with anybody and just go sit in our corners and, you know, do our own thing and say, okay, you, you kid, I'm done with you, go to your room. You kid, I'm done with you, go to your room. And it's like, okay, well, the last 12 nights just ended like that and, we just continue to live in a space that's just challenging and really starting to get, and, and again, that's us all trying to fight for ourselves and, hey, what John wants or what Sarah wants and obviously not giving our kids what they want. And, you know, that, that also works in the community aspect where, man, we, we are in such a better place when we as a we as a family, instead of treating it that way, think about, hey, how can we, how can we just stop and think about the other, the, basically the other side of our brain, which is the 
creative side or the the beauty side and and think about hey and instead of trying to silo myself what can we do as a family to create a space that's just loving and centers around kindness where we we do something fun together and maybe it's a quick story we we tell a story or we do something together that just kind of ends the night on a on a better note or ensuring that which has been hit or miss but we are with a community that's a confessional community and we sit around and just have a space where we can confess and lament or laugh or talk about life and, and how God's moving in life instead of being siloed and, and alone and, and not being able to do that with people. And we are we have been in such a better state as a family when we do stuff like that. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we do a podcast is because we love we love being in a space where me and Sarah are creating stuff together or doing stuff together because when we're not, we find that, okay, I'm in my corner doing my thing. Sarah's in her corner doing her thing. And then it's three months later and it's like, who are you? Mm-hmm and what what journey are you on and it's just a very different journey and it's very different than what we typically or have experienced where i feel like is like the the active church that i've seen overseas or something where it's like every night you finish your day and you gather as a community and you just share about hey where where did i see jesus today where was where was god where did we see god's creation or where did we we create and and God lived through us in that creation today, and you know we we don't do that often, and it, it is trying to find that space and then also find space for for those that are in the margins to invite them in to that space, right? Mm-hmm. We had a great opportunity where we kind of got a chance to bring a bunch of the homeless that live within our city in our backyard and dig did a big meal for them and something that we want to try to continue to do is just hey we every other month or whenever we just want to provide a meal and you guys come over and eat it and it was just crazy how good that was for not only us to remember hey these are people and have reverence for them uh, but also for our kids to see that and know Mm -hmm. that like hey homeless aren't scary people like Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, these are these are loving, fun people, and they're they're great to be around and hang out with. And our our kids got to experience that, and they continue to be creative. and And you go to a church, and they do like this cool thing, or you, you within your community, they do this cool thing to help people. And it's like, yeah, we help the homeless. And yeah, the, a person would imme- immediately ask you, okay, which which homeless? You know, what are their names? And you're like, I, I don't know. You know. Do they know your name? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if they know my name. And th- you know, that's kind of the point. Like sometimes I think we feel like we're doing good stuff, but the the beauty of it is that that deeper reverence where you're walking down and you're actually getting in the trench with them and, and you stop and think like, okay, do the lowly know your name? And, you know, take a second and think like, who who are the lowly or those in the margins around us? And do they actually, like if you ask them like, hey, what's my name? Do they know that? Oh, that's John. Oh, that's Sarah. And I think that could be pretty powerful. And so just kind of want to close it there in there where you're thinking about that. And, and that's something we've been thinking about where it's like, man, do, do they know our names? And how do we continue to move into that space? Because it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful space to be in.